Hello, and welcome to Alpha Podflight, the podcast where every episode I'm joined by a different guest and we discuss a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. This time I'm rejoined by Claire Napier. Uh, say hello, Claire. It's me, I'm back. Hello. <laughs> hello, thank you for rejoining me uh, on this second attempt to talk about Alpha Flight issue number 42. Um, our previous recording was scuppered by gremlins who stopped Claire's audio from recording. Um, this time we're scuppered by gremlins who have hidden my copy of issue 42 somewhere. So I'll be going by memory and Claire will be uh, dealing solely in accurate statements about the comic which is right about. Lipping these pages. And we're also going to break format a little bit by talking about things which we have to plug now. So Claire, what have you got lined up that you would like to talk about and let everyone know is coming? Well, Bun and Tea. Bun and Tea is coming, I promise. Um, <laughs> we had to delay, it was it was my fault. Um, Bun and Tea is a story comics magazine um, in the mode of the old British weeklies, um, except it's monthly. Um, I've got 12 cartoonists or cartoonist teams working on their own six chapter stories there finished in six, um, very short chapters, six pages right down to one page. So you can read the whole thing if you've got enough time, or you can just read one chapter. Um, and wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll feel like you've been told a really good story. They're all they're brilliant works. Um, I'm really excited to get them out there. Good. And I heard you when you were talking to a podcast, it was the one with Al on it, and I can't remember <laughs> who it was you're talking to. But uh, yeah, so there's a lot more detail about it on there. It was, it was there really is. To listen to. I, I now that you've put me on the spot, I can't remember either, which is just <laughs> dreadful. But Matt, I'm sorry. Um, uh, multiver. It was it yes. Yeah. Yes, I think. God. Okay. <laughs> um, if it wasn't multiversity, then what I'll do is I'll edit in a really awkward. Like, yeah, yeah. The name of it over Perfect. the top. Um, okay. Uh, shame, shame, shame. So what I've got coming up uh, next month, which is July, and the fourth to the eighth is the next Young Blood Initiative showcase. So uh, the theme is the Infinite Wheel of Time. They may have changed it to the Eternal Wheel of Time because I think there's a popular fantasy novel series called the Infinite Wheel of Time. I think it's just called the Wheel of Time. Oh, okay. Um, I've seen both used. The poster says Infinite Wheel of Time. Um, it's from the 4th to the 8th of July in uh, Six Queens Parade, which is in Warm Lane, NW25HT. Um, I've not been there yet, but I've been to, and reliably informed it's a lovely place. There's a private view on the 4th of July, which is a Thursday, then a live art in the evening on the 6th, where there'll be performances, and then there's lectures on the 7th. Uh, I definitely won't be on the 6th because my wife is going to see Stevie Wonder, but I am hoping to be there on the other days. So, yeah. And comics-wise, I've just got some stuff on. I don't know. Buy Petrical. Uh, Yeah. Really good. Thanks. Uh, But, right, so that's that admin out of the way. Let's talk about Alpha Flight issue number 42. Do our best. Sorry? Do our best. (laughs) Um... Yes, it's going to be fine. This is uh, a new type of... No, I was going to say it's a new type of podcasting, but a podcast which, <laughs> which you can't rely on the information given is actually the normal type Quite of regular, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so what is this issue called? When did it come out? And who made it? 
Okay, this issue is called Auction. It's from January 1987, and it's by Bill Mantlow with David Ross penciling, Will's Potassio inking, uh, which is a little unusual. And uh, we've got Jim Novak on letters and Sharon, oh no, Bob Sharon colouring. Uh, did it say who the editor was? I think. The editor is Carl Potts, and of course the editor in chief is my favourite guy, Jim Shooter. Okay, we so can you're... argue about that on Twitter if we must. But... <laughs> well, is that because you like him? Are you being serious? No, I, I think he's fantastic. Okay, good. I, I think he has ups and downs, but for the most part, I appreciate the uh, effort he put in. So, um, uh, well, yeah, so David Ross is penciling, uh, Wilkes Potassio inking. So David Ross uh, is probably the only Canadian creator who actually ah. worked on Alpha Flight, I think. Well, that's interesting. That might be wrong, but certainly at this time, he was. they made a big deal out of him being Canadian. Mm. Even though some people in editorial didn't know he's Canadian and sent him loads of reference about Canada, apparently. <laughs> um, okay. His own voices uh, conundrum was was going on even in 1987. Yes. Um, uh, Douglas, last uh, we, the last time we Douglas Noble came on and he said like it's a Canadian comic. I was like, no, it's not. It's an American comic where they get <laughs> things about Canada wrong frequently. But mm-hmm. um, okay, so what happens in this comic? Well, uh, this comic is about the purple... Well, I, I don't know if she's called the purple girl, but it's about a purple girl who is the daughter of the purple man, um, who's quite famous now because he was the uh, the villain in Jessica Jones. Yeah. Um, and he, he begat this daughter on a lady who we'll talk about later. Um, she turns up... The first page is a, a single panel, um, big one, where everyone is, well, some people are just kind of standing there. But Aurora, North Star's sister, um, are they twins? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's very cross because the purple girl has turned her brother North Star, Aurora's brother, not the purple girl's brother, into a purple zombie. That's what she says. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that he's purple. And he will do her bidding, because that's her power. The purple man's power is probably the same. I don't really know, to be honest. But she has the power to, well, make people do stuff, I guess. I don't know if the purple man turns people purple also, or if that's just a new thing for her. I think he does. From from the very limited other comics I've read, he does turn them purple. Uh, And he hypnotises through scent. So he's got some sort of, if they can smell him... Pheromones. Something mm. like that, yeah. Okay. Well, she's got that too, and she's used it on North Star because apparently she has a crush on him, and she got upset from suddenly turning purple, and um, did a bad powers thing because she's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, it begins with, with yeah, Aurora's very cross about this, um, and she says, my brother North Star has been turned, I guess she's got a French accent. <laughs> has been turned into a purple zombie and all you can say is I didn't mean it Um, and then everyone else is like calm down you're frightening her Um, and then other people are like yeah but she's done this and that and then someone's on her side and someone's not on her side you know it's the the general we've got a lot of characters we've got to kind of fan out all the options here yeah give everyone Um, something to say yeah yeah and uh, it turns out that you can break the purple spell by dunking people in water, I guess, because um, 
she's like, okay, I'll let him go. So she tells him to go and... Northstar, go soak your head, she says. And he just dives entirely bodily into the indoor pool that I guess they have, which is pretty fancy. Um, and then he's fine. So because she's done this bad thing, everyone's like, is she bad? Is she good? Should we train her? And then um, this one guy, what's his name? The guy with the tiara. Oh, uh, Shaman. Shaman Shaman is like, maybe we should murder her. Because I guess (laughs) he's the Wolverine. I don't know. He's he's recently taking on the mantle of the talisman, which means he's now removed, he's slowly Ah, being removed from his humanity. So he's only thinking uh, utilitarianly. So that explains the tiara, because last time we talked about talisman, and she has a tiara. So now he's got it, and so he's got that too. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, she doesn't take that very well because she's only a teenager. And sometimes teenagers don't get adult jokes because um, he doesn't really mean let's murder her. He's just saying it just, I don't know, just to say it, I guess. Um, so she runs away and goes on a spree, um, a purple spree, um, kind of kidnaps the one nice member who's just, he just seems like a, just a normal guy. Mr. Jeffries. Mr. Jeffries. He's just a normal man and he thinks she has spunk. So she's like, okay, I like you. I'm going to turn you purple and make you help me. Um, so they fly off and go to town where he turns it into a car because he's got magic powers, I guess. Metal transmutation powers. See, sometimes in Marvel Comics you get powers that are good and sometimes you get powers that are bad. And this is one of the bad ones. It's a bit stupid. Um, just being able to change any metal thing into any other there's um and also plastic <laughs> there's an ex uh, an x-men character well like a spin-off x-men character um from x factor although actually from a spin-off of x factor called the x terminators okay that was um during inferno so like two years later than this he's called tacky he, he's um he's got the same power basically and it's it's a bit rubbish there and it's a bit rubbish here because if you can just it's so extreme, it's so imaginary, it's so, like, it's on the level of a wizard did it. It's too much. Yeah. Um, something like Wolverine, he's just, he's got claws, he's got metal, like, those make sense, you know, they, they, they're not scientifically real or whatever, but they're simple enough that they both work as a psychological metaphor and a practical, um, something that you can, intuit some rules about yeah. you can't really intuit any rules about this it's just oh fucking done it okay and it um, gets worse that so he was introduced by john byrne he was a very like he's straight down the line character before he like accidentally joined alpha flight he was just digging ditches somewhere because he didn't want to use his mutant powers mm-hmm. and he was a, so he is a mutant he's a mutant yeah okay uh and he had a brother called uh scramble who's he could um transmutate flesh yeah. yeah, it was proper gross, and, and Bill Mantlo took it to the right. There was a really horrific sequence of issues. But that actually that. sounds better. Yeah, like that. That's it's small enough, almost. Like it, it, you you could make the argument that it's not small at all because you've got to do all the chemicals and whatever. But it's defined enough. Flesh, like flesh, is a thing. A car flesh, like a car doesn't have flesh; it just has components. Yeah. Um. So, like, poetically flesh version seems a lot better yeah and when he was introduced he could transmute metal but he so he could shape metal 
but then Bill Mantler is just like, if you can shake metal, he can make a car without factoring in right. that would mean you'd know how to make a car. And he can make a spaceship without factoring in you'd need to know how to engineer a spaceship. It's interesting, the more um, superhero comics you read, the more you get a sense for... Like, there are two different kinds of writer. There are the writers who see powers as functional, and there are writers who see powers as... Um, like, just endlessly mutable for their own convenience. <laughs> yeah. And that there is some crossover, because you will get people who, who will, like, evolve a power or give it a new angle or a new edge or just use it in a new way to fit the story that's being told. But there are the others that just, they just don't care, really. They don't seem to care about powers seeming real yeah. or feeling consistent. Um, and, yeah, and that's definitely one of one of the many criticisms of Bill Mantler's run on Alpha Flight is that he doesn't. There's not a lot of logic behind what he does with characters' powers. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll meet late. I think we've talked about him once. There's a character that he introduces called Mannequin, who mm-hmm. has a power. His power is that he can um, split himself into his present self, his future self, and his past self. But they're like evolutionary past so he can he okay. can split himself into his current person and also a caveman and also someone from the future does but, he have a little ray gun no but he can he's, <laughs> he's super clever i can't um, that was going to be my next guess does he have a really big brain he's super clever and he can teleport things whereas okay. the caveman one is just like super brute strength and he can't talk Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the power, and then they he's one person. He's, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and then when Mantlo finally runs out of ideas, uh, he sort of squares it off by Mannequin becoming self-aware as a character and talking to Bill Mantlo while Bill Mantlo is writing. It's really it happens in a particular wow. issue, which I'll talk about. But one of the frames is Bill Mantlo literally looking at the reader like. Oh no, you found me. <laughs> Suck it, animal man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's uh, Mr. Jeffries is turned into a plane and a car. Yeah, so they can cruise the city. Yeah. Um, and, but it's a car with rocket boosters because they don't want to get stuck in traffic. So it just, as well as being how do we get from there to there, then there's another obstacle between the next there that's just shoved in to use his stupid power. It's not the best. Um, but from there, the the purple girl, I should call her by her name, really, because it's not her fault that she's purple. Um, her character name is Purple Girl. I can't remember for the life of me what her actual name is. Let's see. Does it, is it mentioned anywhere here? It should be. Um, oh, God. Her mum will use her name. Kara. Her name is Kara. Kara Hillgrove. Yes. Um, So she goes on a shopping spree, um, which is one of those things where you kind of split the baby. Um, Because when you have a man writing a teenage girl character and he has a go on a shopping spree. It doesn't necessarily feel like he's doing that because he respects the personhood of a teenage girl. It sometimes feels kind of like he's doing that because 
girls be shopping. Um, and, and that's sort of metatextually considered a bad thing, um, because she is on a tear, um, she's using her powers for evil effectively because it's a coming of age story about learning not to do that. Um, which is kind of a bummer because shopping in teenage girl narratives is actually, it's important. It's powerful. Um, when you go shopping, you are in control. You have the money, which is the only part of the, like, money is transactional. It is the entire power in the situation shopping. So you choose what to spend it on, and that's you controlling your life. And teenage girls really don't very often get to control their lives. Um, it's actually, it's meaningful mm-hmm. to be able to go on a shopping spree um, in many stories. And it, it could very easily be in this story um, if it was rewritten by someone <laughs> who cared about that. But... Um, but for this, the purposes of this issue, it's just a um, an excuse to. Kara says um, she's she and Mister Purple Jeffries are sitting under an awning, and three waiters are attending them. Oh boy, um, she says, "My girlfriends and I can never afford to eat in a place like this." And then next panel, she's cutting a pose in front of a mirror, wearing. A bright yellow outfit. If you're purple, do you really put on a bright yellow outfit? <laughs> I'm just not sure. Um, I think we'll have oh, to, to talk shop- to Bob Sharon about that. <laughs> and she's like, oh, to shop in stores like this. But I can, with my new powers, I can get anything I want. Like, it's 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 pretty basic. Yeah. Oh, she can do this, and that's bad. She's doing it, and it's bad. It's it's not very validatory. It's not that cool. No. So, so she goes shopping, she goes and eats at a fancy restaurant. What else did she do? Um, they go to some sort of... I don't know what the Toronto version of the Empire State Building is, but they go there. Okay. Um, they're somewhere very high up above the city, and there's one of those little funny viewing yeah. ticket meter-looking things. Um <laughs> It's yeah. not really labelled, so I guess the guy who was drawing and was given all that reference for Canada was like, well, clearly everyone already knows everything about Canada, and I don't need to label this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they she does some shopping, they have a restaurant, they go and see some sites, Yeah. and what happens then? Well, they're cruising in the, uh, the magic Cadillac, yeah. um, and she's like... So why aren't I happy as if she's Britney Spears in 2000 and something? Um, And the answer that she gives is because she only gets what she wants due to the fact that she's a freak, which I think, I mean, I don't think that's supposed to be the final answer, but it's not true, is it? That's not why she's unhappy. No. Um, She says, if Alfred accepted me, I'd have been a freak among freaks. I wouldn't have felt so alone. So... It is like again. It, it's pretty much it's on the nose. We're Who's not really. Alfred? Is he? I think Alfred may have been a boy from the previous issue. Oh Who no, sorry, it? that's Alpha. Alpha, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, carry on. Um, like we're not really. There aren't exactly layers here. It's just, it's a very simple, on the page story. She discovers she's purple. She wants people to be nice to her. They're not. 
she acts up, it doesn't make her happy, she's lonely, so she goes to visit her mum. Yeah. Um, and then that, that brings up a whole host of questions, because if this girl's called Kara Kilgrave, then she has the name of the Purple Man. So we know that... Um, well, it says right here on the page, um, if you use these horrible powers as your father did to bend people to your will and manipulate their minds as Kilgrave manipulated me into marrying him, oh, Kara, you can't become a criminal like the Purple Man. That's a rape story. Yeah. Which isn't really given space on the page to acknowledge itself as a rape story. Um, it's just... It's kind of like it doesn't exactly deny that it is, but it just doesn't really acknowledge the existence of rape at all, effectively, by um, by just making it about pushing someone into like yeah. signing a I contract. Can't, I can't basically. remember if it's this issue or the other one where she actually gives the backstory of the her marriage to. Uh, Purple Man. Is it this one, or is it the previous one? I don't think it's this one. Uh, so the uh, the idea of the, the relationship of the marriage was that um, Purple Man um, found um, Kara's mum and made her uh, exist as if she w- they were in love. Mm-hmm. And so they got married because she was doing what she was told. They set up a home. Uh, and then, I think before he realised that she was pregnant, he thought, I bet if I uh, turn off my power, she mm. will still love me. Oh, he's been reading too much fan fiction. Yeah, and then he, turn, <laughs> he turns off his power. She realises that she's just, that she's lost a chunk of her life. Yeah. Uh, and she rejects him. And then I can't remember the circumstances of him just like leaving, but then he leaves, and then she she brings Kara up alone. Uh huh. And then when Kara turns purple, she's like, "Oh, by the way, you're the daughter of the Purple Man. That's why I'm purple." So she didn't know she was the daughter of the Purple Man. No, but she must have known something because her surname's Kilgrave. Yeah, I guess she was just like, "Huh, that's a weird coincidence." Yeah. Um. So, I think... That's a pretty heavy story. It is, and it's... it's I mean, that that's like exactly, almost, the story that is the traumatic backstory in Jessica Jones' Alias. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if, it's to, if he has had a similar relationship with other people. It, I think, from what I remember reading, it was... She was one of a string of people that he had done this to. Mm-hmm. Sort of playing families with, and I think there is like a psychological horror story to be told about that relationship. For sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they've skipped that to give Kara a backstory, which allows her to act up. It's not even very. Um, I mean, it's not really necessary um, because the acting up that she does is just yelling at her mum about do-gooders and calling herself a freak, which is what all teenagers do anyway. Yeah. Um, you don't... I mean, she could just as easily have been the... I'm trying to think of a colour that's not already really common. Um, <laughs> the yellow girl 
who has the same powers. Yeah. Um, and it's just a coincidence. Like, yeah. can't believe I've got this weird power and it makes me upset. Um, they did um, a very similar version of um, in New X Men Academy X. I mean, of course they they'll do these teen stories over and over again, mm. but um, Laurie, I think her name was. Um, Wallflower is her code name, I think. Her dad was, I can't remember who, but someone with basically the same powers, a pheromones thing. Okay. She wasn't purple, she was just a blonde. Um, <laughs> and it made her shy and worried, and she wasn't sure if people really liked her, and she wasn't confident using her abilities, and like, you just. I don't remember if her dad was also wrong, and he probably was, let's be real. Mm. Um, but, like, you just don't need the purple man as a part of this story. It's, it's not necessary. Or if you do, then just... Why couldn't she just be someone who was kind of into him? Like, bad guys have wives that they don't necessarily do the bad stuff to. Yeah. Um, if she was just married to a purple man and then she realized, oh, also he's an evil criminal who does bad things to other people, I better leave him. That would be just as compelling a story for this, the purposes mm. of this issue. Yeah. Um, a, a girl who discovers that um, that her father is horrible and that she has the same powers to do the horrible things. Like, she, she doesn't need... Or rather, if that bad thing has also been done to her mother, that should be a real part of the story and not just something else that also exists within the story yeah. because otherwise it's, it's just ignoring something vital. Like teens get angry at their mothers, but they still understand when someone has done something to them. Yeah. Um, especially because on, on the page after Kara storms off, her mother strikes the most dramatic pose. Um, Full length against the doorpost, like you know, you, her body is flattened against it, and one arm yeah. is down with her little finger up, and the other is um, up above her head, and the elbow is bent, and the wrist is above her forehead, like she's Scarlet <laughs> O'Hara. Um, curse you for laying your curse upon our daughter, Kilgrave. Curse you! It, it's too much. It's just that's that's melodrama, and the the rest of the scene is not elevated the dishiness of it all to such a level as would make this appropriate. It's just, it's not, it's not a well-toned issue, yeah. is what I'm saying, I think. No, I agree. But yeah, Kara storms off, um, saying, why shouldn't I take what I want whenever I want it? If I'm going to be a freak, I may as well just be horrible if I am horrible. And then she says, come on, slave, to Mr. Jeffries, and they just walk off. Yeah. Um, to conquer the world. But, they're interrupted by a man in a mini cape um, and several gold and diamond rings who um, introduces himself as the auctioneer and says that he has a proposal for them. But um, she's into it. She's like, OK, let's do some crimes. But he's like, well, we could or I could just do all the crimes. And he gasses them and takes them off to auction them at um, a weapons party. Which feels a little weird after, um, like if I was going to do a story that involved selling people, I probably wouldn't have 
one of the characters involved flippantly say, come on, slave, on the page previously, because it just feels a little disrespectful all in all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it and oh, it's, slave is such, such a weird word because I mean uh, I work in IT and we still use the phrase master slave to talk about uh, um, two pieces of data which are interlinked. Mm-hmm. And it's just every time I have to use it, I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, everyone. But you should start using dom and sub. <laughs> just do it. Like make everyone come up to your level. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'll start, to, but then I'll have to explain it to a manager why I started doing it. <laughs> um, okay, uh, but yeah, okay, so, uh, they get taken off to, uh, be sold in the weapons auction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, from what I remember, there's a bunch of people in the crowd, they're all baddies. Yes. They're all out to buy weapons. Is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, there they are. They um, they appear to be, you know, an array of ethnic caricatures. Yeah, I um, think some of them are in army spares. uniforms as well. Yeah, there's a um, an Asian general, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Classic. Yeah, there's a guy who I think may have been miscolored... Um, Maybe the colors didn't quite understand the intention of the design, mm. but as is, he just he looks like a beatnik. Um, there's a a guy at the back with a sort of turbanish outfit, mm. um, and then there's just a lady with a pearl earring and sexy hair. Okay. So they um they're like. We can't buy people, but then they're like, well, why not? Yeah. Um, Mr. Jeffries does some more magic and turns all of the weapons already auctioned into a, a, a bird of death, um, which can shoot lasers. That's, and it's um, a really weird looking bird of death as well. It is. It's, it's, it's almost an interesting design, but it just is so out of place in this issue that yeah. it feels wasted. Um, especially since, you see all of the components of the other weapons um, whirling into the air, and then the next panel is just this perfectly finished, futuristic, um, mobile-looking death bird. Um, not to be confused with the Shia Empress Pretender death bird. Uh, that's separate. Um, <laughs> and uh, it attacks everyone, but everyone's like, wow, Mr. Jeffries is actually really useful. I'm going to bid on him. Um, what's distracting me is that Mr. Jeffrey's sweater is disgusting. <laughs> it has two necklines. It has like a regular knitted crew neck. Um, and then it also has a, a V, a V neck, um, collar, like on the same jumper. It's horrible. <laughs> and it's all colored red. Like there's, it's not detailing. It's just a very um, strange choice. Yeah. He, he doesn't have the best fashion sense um, as a character. But whether that or uh, not that's because of the people drawing him, I'm not sure. Um, I think it probably is. There's, yeah. There are quite a few sweaters in this issue. <laughs> I mean, sweaters are very easy to draw. Because it's just... You just put a ring around the neck and then it looks like a jumper. Yeah, well, not this guy. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, I, I can't. There's some sort of mechanism whereby Kara is still controlling Mr. Jeffries despite being in a bubble. Is that right? Is she in a bubble yet, or does she? Get um, in a bubble no, she is controlling Mr. Jeffries, and she is controlled by drugs. Okay. Um, she thinks can think, but can't fight the auctioneer's drugs. Uh, which again, like that's just that's you know well what, what drugs? Yeah. Um, it's just it's a bit lazy. Like the powers can do anything thing. Um, yeah. Couldn't she be afraid of his gun or something? Anyway, yeah. Um, she decides that um, being sold as a weapon isn't good. Nope. So she decides to um, rebel. But before she can really, um, Alpha Flight turns up because they've been looking for their guy. Yep. Um, and also feeling slightly guilty about making Kara think they were going to murder her. Um, so yeah, um, Alpha Flight are coming, but Kara is saying that she won't obey the drugs anymore and the auctioneer is like, you defy me and resist my drugs? And he doesn't like that. So he uses his magic cane to shoot a bubble at her. That's right. That's yeah. Uh, he says, I was prepared for the possibility that your unique powers might allow you to develop immunities to psychotropic drugs. Again, it would be just simpler and more sensible if he threatened her with a gun and eventually she just decided she wasn't afraid of a gun. Yes. It's 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 a smaller concept and for this purpose that makes it better. I'm surprised um, that they haven't gone for an explosive nip puller. Yeah. That, that I guess would they be have the, those the, in the standard. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> but, um, so Kara's like, let me out because this is a bubble and I'll suffocate. And he says, hardly, the plexi wrap allows air in, <laughs> but prevents your pheromonic power from flowing out. So this, this cane bubble yeah. seems to be the most considered aspect of this comic. He's really gone to the trouble of thinking... How would this work? And what would the, the fabric be called? Um, yeah. It's silly. And it allows, I must say. it allows air in, but not yes. gas out. Yes. So I guess it will just get bigger and bigger over time. <laughs> um, and then, Kara turns out to be claustrophobic. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't really come to anything, unlike the claustrophobia of Storm. Of the X-Men. Yes. Uh, step it up, lads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's just like, ah, oh, I'm in a bubble. And um, I guess that Mr. Jeffries is fine now because being in a bubble has stopped her pheromones from reaching him. Yes. Um, which doesn't really go with Nostar had to jump in a pool. Like, it's just, it just doesn't, I don't immediately think, ah, yes, right, this all fits together. Yeah, no, because um, it's, it's getting your head wet isn't the same as not being able to smell things anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's free, and they're all fighting, and Alpha Flight comes, and Northstar saves Kara's mum, and she's like, wow, my daughter's room is full of your posters, and he doesn't care because... He's mad at her because of the purple thing, but she's like, oh, he came to save me. Maybe he cares a bit. Um, 
course he doesn't. Um, there's a fight, blah, blah. Um, Kara wishes she could bust out of her bubble so she could tell the auctioneer to drop dead. But as she yells drop dead intentionally at him, um, the, the, what was it called? Plexi wrap? Yeah. Is, Something like that. It's caught on a nail and it's yeah. ripped and now her pheromones can get out. So he goes purple and drops dead. Um, and she's like, oh no, I'm a murderer. They should have killed me first. Um, but of course he's not dead because, uh, they just, <laughs> see, in a lot of stories, he would be dead because yeah. if you die in the game, you die for real and all that, you know, or like psychosomatic reactions. Yeah. Yep. There are tons of times when people have died of fright in Marvel, probably in Alpha Flight, um, but not this time because it's important for teens to not kill people by accident yeah. so they can learn a good lesson without actually having done anything. Yeah. Um, so everything's fine. Yeah. So uh, he is dead enough. His his brain thinks he's dead, so he acts dead. Is that the explanation for it? Um, oh, something, something like that. The purple girl's powers apparently cannot affect the body's involuntary systems. As soon as you leave, he'll recover. So he's just he's just pretending. Yeah. <laughs> because she told him to. Yeah. It's sort of it's like whatever. a dog. It's like play dead. Yeah, <laughs> a bit like over. a dog. Yeah. Um. So Kara goes back to Mansion Alpha. Yep. And um has to use her powers for good by um, getting over her claustrophobia enough to help a guy who got a bit in trouble because she made Mr. Jeffries come with her earlier. That's right, um, Fox, isn't Fox? Yes. The bends. Yes, he did. Yeah. For whatever reason. The bends! Um, <laughs> the, the claustrophobia thing, I think, would have been a lot stronger if it had come up a lot earlier. Um Suddenly if... being captured and then saying, oh, I'm claustrophobic. But it doesn't really matter at all that she wasn't having a panic response at all. Um, it's just, it's very... This may it's, sound it's just mean, content. This may sound mean-spirited towards teenage girls. Mm. But having spoken to many of them as a teenage boy, when I was a teenage boy, not pretend to be a teenage boy now, that would be weird. Yes, it would. Um... But they often come out with stupid shit like I'm claustrophobic. Well, I mean, I mean, she might yeah, be claustrophobic. That is true. But, um, um, I've, but I've that's told... not a very good story. No, no. Like someone's saying, "Oh, I'm claustrophobic," but then they're not actually claustrophobic. Um, so then they have to get over their claustrophobia to help someone to prove that they're a good person. They don't actually get over anything. They just go into like a shower and <laughs> squirt pheromones at someone. There's no. Um, it's not a good story, is no, it? There's no basis in the text for my interpretation of that. Um, just a lot of time, a lot of time spent dealing with invented melodrama. Um, well, there's the not a lot in the text for anything. anything. <laughs> That's the problem, really. Um, I want. I wanted to enjoy this more than I did. Um, I like. I can. Um, without reading it at the time, I can think, oh, that was kind of a fun issue. But while I'm actually reading it, um, it, it there's just there's more bad stuff than good, really. Um, and I found that a lot with Bill Mantlozeron, because I mean, one of the reasons that I started this podcast was so that I could talk to people about Mil Bill Mantlozeron's time on Alpha Flight, where mm -hmm. nobody ever talked about it. 
Um, and when I first read through some of his issues, there was like uh, a velocity to them and just a free thing. There's just re- really exciting comics to read, having read a lot of very considered uh, comics, and there was just an action to them. But then mm-hmm. when I got back to read them again with like a more critical eye, suddenly yeah. like all this stuff's jumping out. You're like, oh no, that's dodgy. Oh, you didn't mm-hmm. think that through. Um, and as his run goes on, the, the flaws present themselves uh, with increasing like ferocity. <laughs> so by the so time, where, where in, in, the, in his run does this issue come? This is about halfway through. So it gets worse? <laughs> it gets much worse. Much, much <laughs> oh, worse. Oh, Christ. Um, okay. In terms of... Uh, so the James Hadnell, who took over from him, who had many problems of his own as a writer... Um, uh, there's an interview with him where he's like Bill had run out of ideas and every issue was just him desperately trying to get an issue out so he didn't mm-hmm. He uh, so at one point we, we talked about um, Mr. Jeffries earlier he becomes Box so he takes on the Box robot and that's that's his superhero from then on he's not called Mr. Jeffries anymore he's called Box okay but, um, he, his power isn't just to transmute metal he can change metal into energy so he can uh and and that he uses that to turn into a spaceship and they all go to space for for three issues for no reason whatsoever i think you'll find the reason is the x-men did that a lot (laughs) um but they don't go to space and meet um like interesting civilizations or fight something threatening the universe what do they do? One issue is like, it's a haunted house in space. So I, can't, <laughs> I can't remember the exact... It's So in the same way that Alien is a haunted house in space. Mm-hmm. It's like that. There's some sort of aliens inside box and they sort of creep around and beat them up. Okay. Um, but, and, but yeah, it's just like there's no interconnectivity between the issues. And then they come back to Earth. And then he's, and then he's like, oh, I've got this idea which would be really cool. What if the government um, wanted to... Uh, oh, basically he does a civil war first. So he's like, the Canadian government decide that anybody with superpowers has to uh, put their name down at a register. Right. Um, and uh, Oh, and also Sasquatch turns from Walter into Wanda through a, a very complicated mechanism we won't go into. But So when she comes back from outer space and tries to claim her wealth, uh-huh. From her ex-wife, who he invents, um, she can't because she's legally a woman, not legally a man, and he explores that for quite a while, and then just gets taken off the book. They're like, "We've had enough of this now. Stop, stop writing, please." Um, but yeah, uh, and right. I think he makes a, a stab at what if somebody who was a man is now a woman, mm-hmm. but it's sort of a lazy stab with a blunt object. Um, yeah, I mean. I- just even as you were saying that, I, how, I mean, legally, like, you'd still be legally yeah. oh, your no, originally absolutely. assigned gender. That, yes. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, in this issue alone, there are a couple of, of things that, that made me think, like, what is this? Um, there's, it just, it seems mean-spirited. Um... When we recorded the first time, we talked about the difference between John Byrne um, and Bill Mantlo as, like, includers. Mm. 
Um, and I think we both agree that John Byrne does tend to be technically inclusive. Um, he has characters with disabilities and a range of sexualities and um, because he's an observational creator. Um, like he sees what is in the world and he, as a storyteller, as a creator, he feels a, like, creative necessity of including that as truthful or as accurate or something. Like, and he doesn't feel like, um, like a moral includer. He feels like an observational includer. Whereas Bill Mantlo feels more like a sort of, mean person <laughs> he does come across as mean occasionally um yeah for example in this issue um box the the box prior to mr jeffrey's becoming box um is a guy called box yeah Roger but it's box. spelt differently yeah. um and he um is paralyzed i think uh he's quadriplegic yeah oh, um, and maybe which, paralyzed from having the bends as well Oh yeah, the bends. Um, North Star calls him that legless cripple box. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, which can, you yeah. can make an argument for North Star being mean or whatever, but the he's saying that because he's asking Aurora if she really loves that, if as she lo- says, yeah. legless cripple box. Yeah. Um, and the the juxtaposition in the issue of Aurora, who is sexy, because you can tell this, because she's wearing an off-the-shoulder sweater and a pair of bikini bottoms and some leg warmers and and ballet flats um, in a stunning solid green and solid pink combination. She looks really stupid. (laughs) That's just my personal evaluation. I don't, I don't, I, I can't see this as a, an informed fashion choice. I can see it only as an indication of this is the sexy character. Yeah. Um, and it seems to emphasize the fact that she is through like social judgment terms, she is too hot for this non hot guy and his non-hotness is defined in direct relation to his disability Um, and also he's fat which seems like another direct judgment like this person could not get that person and it's unnatural that maybe she is and it also seems to be um, indicting her as like a tart yeah. Like she is leading him on for her own purposes just to it it feels ugly. Um it's yeah. unpleasant to read because I don't really understand what the writer is doing except for enabling and emphasizing recognizable social judgments. Yes. Um, um th- so the relationship between Aurora and Box is is complicated and it is um a mean relationship. Um, it's used to portray Aurora because Aurora has many problems as a character, um, but it's it's an awkward relationship that's born out of the fact that Walter Langowski is dead, and that's why she starts a relationship with Box. I don't know who that is. Don't worry. It, it's, <laughs> okay. Um, but it's a 
but um, so it's a bad relationship. Uh, yeah. It's very uneven. It's unfair on box because he is being used. But the way that it's written, you're right, it's mean. So Bill Mantlo, where John Byrne knew that characters had secret histories mm. and could use nuance to hint at those secret histories, um, Bill Mantlo uses mean words. So, for instance, uh, the secret history of North Star is that he's gay and everybody in the comic knows that he's gay. Uh, all the characters are aware of it. But rather than things happen to him which suggest he leads a certain lifestyle, people say mean things about him. Like, it's... Well... Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that things don't suggest it. I would say that really terrible things suggest a judgmental attitude towards his gayness. Yes. In this issue specifically. Yeah. Because in this issue specifically... Does he I cough think, a lot in this as well? Yes, he yeah. coughs, and there's a panel where he bleeds, which is not usual, and it feels very much like, look at North Star, he's a gay, he's got AIDS. Uh, that's exactly it, it what it is It does not well. feel like a supportive no. AIDS story. It feels like a pointing finger yeah. AIDS story, and it's distracting, and it's distressing. It is, um, yeah. Um, 1987, you... It's, it, it, it speaks of horribleness and, um, like a sort of monolithic, well, homophobia and normalness, normativity embracing horridness. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, a relic to an ugly, an uncaring time in that way. Um, I don't know how the story progresses. I don't know if it, what North if, like it was, if it was kept as an aid story or if it was turned into a metaphor, or if it was turned into something else or what, but it's, this issue alone is, it's uh, lost. It comes to its conclusion in, uh, so we're on 42 now in eight issues. So in issue 50, uh, North Star's AIDS storyline comes to an end in, clumsy, horrible way. Uh, it is an unpleasant read. <laughs> um, uh, where uh, the fact that he's got AIDS is specifically blamed on his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, and it's one of the biggest shames, and I, use, I don't use shame as a, oh, isn't that a bad thing? I mean it as in a, it's shameful mm-hmm. that it was included in the comic. Uh, and yeah, so when he does finally come out uh, in issue 106, even though it's clumsy and over earnest and he's fighting a, a, a mounty in a shop, even then it feels better <laughs> than yeah. than this. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bill Mantlo. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I've read a lot of his other work. Um. Well, because he has. So, uh, me and Amy, uh, a couple of episodes, talked about Rom. So, he wrote Rom. Mm-hmm. And um, the issue that we read, I haven't read all of it, so I can't state with any um, authority, but the issue that we read had a very ecological message, which was that humans are destroying the environment. You can't rely on superheroes to save us. Um, 
and true. the message there was was heartfelt and true and morally uh, acceptable. Mm. So it's it's weird to balance. This kind of it. makes it worse, really, doesn't it? Like yeah. you have like when someone evidently engages with a sense of morality, but also engages with an immoral, exclusionary um, bigotry. Yeah. It just like it makes the bad feel worse. Yeah. Because like it's like you chose to do this then. Like yeah. you, you weren't just informed that way as a child and forgot to go over it again. You You yeah. know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And so my relation oh, Jesus just dropped the My relationship with Bill Matlow as a writer <laughs> is coloured by the fact that I really love some of his work and yet mm-hmm. in so many instances it's just like that's just wrong that's really yeah. bad and it shouldn't you shouldn't have done it um, well i mean I, I said that i think that jim shooter is the greatest but like he did enforce the code it was his job to but he he did do it and i do think that's a moral wrong mm-hmm. um and he he did some weird stuff with some of his characters uh didn't i haven't read it but apparently he did awful things with miss marvel um, as a character, and also there's uh, in Secret Wars 2, Dazzler uh, is introduced a bit dodgily. Not I don't Dazzler, remember that. Boom I know he Boom. does do some. Oh, Boom Boom. Um, yeah. Well, Boom Boom is kind of an interesting character. Um, I haven't read Secret Wars 2 yet, so I would um, hold off and say anything about that. But his his later work is so interesting and so nuanced. I think mm. um, both in terms of women and gay guys. Right. That it, he feels like someone who went through a process of learning, or at least he was in a situation which, like a, not a situation exactly, but like an environment which allowed for more or less um, goodness, basically. Hmm. His work at Valiant is miles ahead of what Marvel corporate Marvelness yeah. allowed for, which is both his fault and not his fault, I think, because like you can be the boss, but you're also the boss, like um, responsibly, um, yeah. like you answer to people as well as having people who answer to you. I'm not saying absolve him, I'm not, um, but I think that he has an interesting career that's more than just um, what John Byrne has said about him <laughs> <Absolutely>, <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Miss Marvel thing is a bummer, to be sure. But um, that's the weird pregnancy thing. But um, yeah, his not to go on a mad tangent. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's fine. But his like the 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 first event at Valiant is so fascinating. It's entirely about um, who is responsible for cycles of abuse, child abuse specifically, sexual child abuse specifically. It's fascinating work, it really is. Um, and he, like, yeah, he, okay. the progression of his work is interesting in basically every, in every way that we've talked about mm. over this issue. So even though it's a tangent for which I apologise, um, it's kind of relevant in a way. <laughs> fine, they should never apologise for tangents, um, because it's fine, it's what, it's what the podcasting medium was invented for. Well, I suppose that's true. Um, right, so I think we have talked about everything. What I'd normally say is, was there anything that you really liked about this comic? 
I want to say yes, but I can't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, um, it's a little bit too much. I'll tell you what I liked about it. Uh, Okay. And this is just as a fan of Mr. Jeffries. Is Mm. that even though his power set is stupid, Mm. um, he is the character which Mantlo retains. He retains his character despite Mantlo. So... Right. He's the person that stands up for Kara's, um, like, he's like, we should take it under our wing, I'll take care of her. Uh, and he, that's even after he has been uh, the subject of her abuse. Uh, he still stands up. And I like the fact that uh, Mr. Jeffries is still like that stand-up mm-hmm. moral centre. Yeah. yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, and that's what, yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why I like Mr. Jeffries so much. Uh, he's unfussy in how he goes about. He's sort of like I like reading Jack Reacher novels, and I'm not ashamed to say it. And he's sort of like the Jack Reacher of Alpha Flight. He's not as violent, uh, um, but there's a moral centre to him which doesn't shift. Yeah, well, that's that's reasonable, I think. Yeah. I don't necessarily see it a great deal in this issue, but you're right, he does stick up for Kari yeah. before and after. And also he's, uh, in other issues, like him and Box, uh, him and Roger Box are best friends, and that relationship is regardless of what, like, either of their physical abilities, they're just, mm-hmm. they're just best friends. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's what I really like. Uh, I think we will draw it to a close now. Um, okay. In a clumsy, I think that's where we'll draw it to a close way. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this comic, uh, despite me not having it in front of me. Um, well, thank you for asking me. I always like to learn something new about, especially <laughs> comics, superhero comics from the 80s. A very interesting time. Yeah, it's weird to go back in like that weird cultural time machine. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, but thank you again for coming on. Uh, what I forgot to ask you at the start was if people want to find you on the internet, where can they do that? Well, they can find me on Twitter most easily. I'm there all the time. Um, <laughs> it's at Illus Claire, I-L-L-U-S-C-L-A-I-R-E. That's me. Perfect, thank you. And I am, as ever, at G-R-T-H-I-N-K. That's at Gerthink. Uh, and, yes, thank you for listening. And I hope that you will join me again on another episode of Alpha Thank you very much.